0: Welcome back to the Kaiku Podcast. Chris is with me. Hola! Also, Chris is with me. Hello! You <laughs> guys, uh, double Chris, just the same as the Megalobox podcast, um, but we are not here to talk about Megalobox. We are here to continue the Kurosawa series. It feels like it has been forever the first Chris that I talked to.
1: I think it has been forever. I, I We have not recorded one of these since before I moved.
0: <laughs> when was that, like...
1: Uh, that was a day. That wait, was okay.
0: that was five months ago. Uh, we've had a stock of them. We did a couple other things, though, so that's all right. We did. Um, so this is continue our, continuing our Kurosawa series. We have our first guest, the second Chris I introduced. Uh, what is your uh, experience with Kurosawa? Chris and I have obviously watched all of the previous ones before this, um, but I don't know where you are in the Kurosawa filmography.
2: Uh, I have a pretty extensive kurosawa filmography back when uh i was doing netflix discs and the we're dating myself about 12 13 years i've cleaned up on a lot of his movies um there's there's some gaps but just about all the major samurai films i've seen at least once um they're kind of my what i most closely associate with kurosawa which i feel most people most closely associate with Kurosawa. of those honestly seven samurais probably my favorite um it was the first one i saw so there's some sentimentalism there but i think that he hit on so many themes in this movie that uh it's it's hard to match when compared to all of his other works but at the same time if you say just about anything else he did is the best i would completely agree with you uh
0: yeah that has also been uh by Chris's experience. Like, he has a couple a couple rough films that we would definitely not call desks, but, uh, basically everything else has its own argument for it, right?
1: Damn skippy.
0: Yep. Uh, but we are here to talk about The Seven Samurai. Uh, I have watched this before, though it's been a while. I tried to rewatch it, uh, but I was too procrastinating for my own gig. Uh, I got through about 45 minutes of it, but you two were able to rewatch it, uh, Within the last week, because you're more responsible than me, right?
1: Damn, Skippy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so, Chris, let's do our, our normal thing. What is the December Samurai about?
1: Well, the Seven Samurai is, even if nobody's ever seen the film, they've seen the film, because uh, the narrative structure of the film has basically become a template uh, for many, many American films. Most notably, Pixar's A Bug Life. Um <clears throat> The story surrounds a group of a a small village of farmers who they are constantly being raided by a group of bandits. These bandits, they come in, they steal all of their crop, leave just a little bit to where the villagers barely survive. They steal their women, turn them into sex slaves, burn down houses as they see fit. It's just kind of chaos. So in the beginning of the spring... The bandits return to the village and say, hey, let's go raid this village. And the leader says, nah, we already took everybody's rice in the fall. They ain't got shit. Um, Let's come back and get their barley when uh, when when it becomes harvest time for that. Unbeknownst to them, one of the farmers happened to overhear this and goes and tells everybody. So as a attempt to proactively save their village so that they don't die because at this point they've been ravaged so much that the village is in desperate poverty a small group of the villagers go to the city to hire samurai as a means of buying their protection so they go to the city they find a, a few samurai it ends up being seven total surprise surprise Um, And then the the rest of the movie is the samurai coming to the village, um, working with the villagers to get them battle-ready, crafting the village to function more as a castle, it's like a giant castle, and then staving off and fighting the bandits as they come to pillage the village again.
0: (laughs) And uh, these samurai are led by Takashi Shimura's character, Shimaga Kanbe. I got to the point when uh, his his buddy came back, uh, and he just, like, immediately said yes. I have no idea who every other character is named besides Shimura's character.
1: All right, let, let me pull up the list of the names, just so I say the names properly. Um, and I can run through that. So, yes, the, the first samurai that the villagers come across is Kambe, who is played by again the amazing takashi shimura who we talk about in praise every time we do one of these movies uh he is found um working a hostage situation there's a a mm-hmm. villain who has kidnapped a child and the villagers are just kind of standing around like well is somebody gonna do something what about all these samurai and they're like nah we're, we're good so kambi comes up and he says well he has a very strict moral code that he doesn't let the pride of being a member of the samurai caste get get in his way of his duty. So he shaves off his top knot, which is a very big fucking deal um, in this time period in Japan, so that he can pass himself as a monk. Uh, this kind of courageousness and sense of true duty is what attracts the, the villagers to him, and he very easily accepts their offer because the villagers cannot pay the samurai. That's the catch. Uh, they're so poor that the only thing they can do is force themselves to eat millet while they give the, the few rice rations that they have to the samurai. So their goal is to find hungry samurai because samurai are perceived by the villagers as being a very prideful cast, basically a bunch of assholes. Shichiroji is the old friend of Kambe. um they used to fight in the wars together and when you first meet shichiko uh, shichiroji it's a really good exchange where Kambe's like man last i saw you were in the middle of this fight how did you get out of that that didn't look so hot and he's like i uh i hid in the bushes
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> they have a good laugh about it um let's see here hey hachi hey hachi is a very kind Samurai. He's not super skilled, but he has a very jovial nature to him that helps lift up lift up everybody else's spirits. And he has a really good manner of building camaraderie and getting the villagers to to round up behind him. He's kind of like the natural born leader, even if he isn't the most skilled samurai. Uh, Katsushiro is a young samurai. He's not even like officially a warrior yet. Um, so he also witnesses the demonstration from Kanbei where he shaves off his topknot to save the child and basically pledges himself to be his uh, – I can't think of the, the proper word because my brain is trying to think of the Japanese word. But he just basically wants to be his apprentice and follow him around everywhere and learn from who he perceives to be the master um, so that he can be a true samurai warrior. His Disciple, that could, that could be the one that I was thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gordobe, he is, um, I think he was the first samurai that Kambe uh, recruited. He is also, he's kind of like the second in command um, beside Kambe and Shichiroji. He um, is honestly the one samurai that I don't think stood out enough amongst the seven throughout the film. Uh, you see him, absolutely, and he's a really good soul, just like everybody else. But he kind of has a good balance between Heihachi's uh, boastful charm um, and outlandishness and Kambei's more serious, we have a job to do. Gorobei kind of strides in between those two characters. Then we have Kyuzo, who is a super, like, he is the most skilled swordsman of the bunch. He is just stone-faced. He just looks like he's having a bad time all the time because the only thing he is looking for is to improve his skills. He's always looking for a challenge, and that's why he ultimately um, accepts this pro bono quest is he sees it as an opportunity to further his training and become an even better swordsman, but the the dude is already uh, completely unreal. And then last but not least, we have one of the greatest characters ever created in the history of cinema, and that is uh, Kikuchio, who is played by the inimitable Toshiro Mifune. If that preamble wasn't enough, I love this character to death. Uh, Kikuchiro is not a samurai. He is the son of a farmer who comes across a giant sword that is like three times the size of him. It's cartoonishly large um a a couple of pieces of armor and he steals a scroll from someone who the hell knows and that's where he gets his name as kikachito um it's because of the scroll he no we throughout the film we never know what his real name is um and it's also because of the scroll that we find out what year this takes place in because when he tries to prove to Kombe and the others that he is a samurai, please let me join this uh, this quest. He unfolds the scroll. It's like, see, this is him. This is me right here. This Kikuchiro right here. And they're like, born in 1574, huh? So that would make you 13. <laughs> um, he is... He is he takes his past his history of being a poor farmer who has seen that the the damage that the samurai have done but he still chooses to try to be a samurai warrior because he understands the nobility in in doing that kind of service in protecting people and he he seeks to stop the quote-unquote, evil ravages of the samurai uh, cast upon the farmer caste by being the the better samurai. However, he's also a complete fool, so he spends most of his time getting drunk and getting into fights. Uh, but he basically works as the, the bridge between the villagers that they go to save and the samurai themselves because he's able to exist inside of both worlds. Um, so that is our seventh samurai our, our six samurai and Kikuchi.
0: <laughs> so I got up to four of them. That's pretty good. Um, so Chris, you said this was the first Chris uh, that you saw, left a yes. big impression. Uh, so what were like your first thoughts upon seeing this movie? How how amazing were you? Did you watch it all in one mm-hmm. sitting? Uh,
2: the first time I watched it, it was like 15 years ago. So I'm digging deep into the memory bank about individual things that stuck out to me. But I mean, the first time you ever see Toshiro Mifune on the screen—it's like it kind of almost a religious movie-watching experience because he just sucks up all of your attention. He's just—and—and and and it wouldn't—if you had given him any other character of the among the Seven Samurai, it—I mean, it wouldn't have worked. He had to be Kikuchio because Kikuchio is such a such just a unique character and um it needs to have someone with the just i mean mifuna has just this had just a natural charisma about himself if if he didn't have a line if he was standing on the screen your eyes are going right at him and so he had and so he had to have a character that whenever they were on screen their character's antics or actions would be the focus and so um that i think just stuck out to me fifteen years ago, even if I didn't wouldn't have articulated it like that back then. But having rewatched it a couple times and rewatched it most recently this week, I just I just can increasingly grow in appreciation for the other samurai, however, probably except Gorobe, who is kind of there, I would say. It's the other ones all have very distinct arcs and personalities. Um Gorobe is almost just like Kambe's second Second, like his right hand man, like he's the guy who is the assistant who does the work that Kambe dictates, I guess. Um, but everybody else, um, Kyuzo is, is a great, you know, that, that great stoic character, and um, of course, Katsushiro, and watching it re- recently this week, and I think having matured and seen the world more and see more movies. The Katsushiro character just is so fascinating from a thematic standpoint. Uh, he's, you know, he's the son of these very wealthy samurai, and he's almost just like leaving home to, to escape this isolated life he had there and experience the world, I guess. He would be kind of like a kid nowadays who his parents are, are pretty well off, but he leaves to go and against their wishes goes to just, you know, live a charitable charitable existence. Um, Katsushiro, I think, has that that part of his heart, is he wants to do right, and he thinks the way to do right is to follow Kambay around and learn from combat So, but my most recent watch, that is what sticks out with me, whereas originally the first time I saw it, uh, Kikuchio is the first thing and the thing that lasts with you the most. Yep, what about you, Chris?
1: Well, uh, let's see. So, the <laughs> I used to be completely obsessed with uh seven samurai um i had the the playstation 2 video game seven samurai 20xx all the uh limited edition dvd singles from funimation when they put out the anime but i had first seen the film i had gotten it as a christmas gift in 2001 so i was 19 I remember. I remember it very clearly because we went to uh, my grandparents' house in South Carolina, and I got Dragon Ball Budokai Tenkaichi Two and The Seven Samurai. Um, <laughs> the uh, the first time I watched the film was actually on the plane ride back. My mom had a laptop, so on the airplane, I'm just sitting there with the laptop watching this movie through a pair of headphones. Um, it's like. One of the things that stuck out to me the first time I watched the film was just how truly grand and epic in scope the film is. It's it, it's so narratively dense. Like earlier when I gave a quick summation of what the film is about, it sounds so simple, but there are so many subplots and side threads, and it just it's such an expansive film and. All of it feels absolutely necessary. It's like you are living inside of this world, watching everything just live and breathe and coexist. Um, yes, you know, Kikuchiro and just my absolute favorite and Toshirô Mifune's performance is grabbing, as Chris had said. But none of that really works without the, the, the whole ensemble, the way that it all feels truly lived in. It doesn't feel like you're watching a staged film. Um, somehow you you are transported back to feudal Japan and you are sitting with this entire cast. You're with the villagers and the farmers. It's it's not something that I, I've really ever seen replicated much in the years since. It, it stands as like this singular... Moment when in my cinema career, if you will, that I just completely got bowled over. It was the first time I had been hit with something as weighty and as as dense as this. Um, I immediately, after getting back to Colorado after watching the film, I had watched it again, um, and then I had gone to the store, and that was when I had bought Rashomon and Throne of Blood, and started trying to watch uh, more of Kurosawa's films but still in all the years since I still just keep coming back to seven samurai and it's it is like a truly religious experience each time I sit with the film and it's the most earned three and a half goddamn hours um, I think I've ever experienced and that was readily apparent from the very first time
2: I would I would add just I mean you we focus on the samurai it's named seven samurai of course we are but i mean there's so much to be told about the villagers and their stories i mean you could the movie is again it's as as chris said it's so just dense there's so much happening there's there's a story with rikichi there's um there's manzo and his daughter shino there is um the old man the, the village patriarch kind of this mysterious um, person who's experienced bandit raids his whole life. How is he going to react to the sacrifices that have to be made to actually defeat the bandits and um, his eventual decision that he makes regarding what he's going to do? Uh, there's just, I mean, there's just so much. And then there's so much thematically. Just this this shot, when they first go to the town to hire the samurai – they're standing on the street, these poor kind of backwater farmers, just looking at these, you know, these samurai carrying their swords with great posture and these, you know, bright colorful outfits they're wearing, and it just, just demonstrates to the viewer the total dichotomy between the farmers and these samurai, and why it seems almost preposterous that they would ever get along or work together. And and that's just, I mean, those are just parts of this movie, and, and I, could, I mean, there's so much more there's just um Kikuchio, as you mentioned was a he was from a farming village and he experienced what samurai do firsthand yet he wants to fight on the side of justice that you know kind of to, to repel these bandits because he knows and and it's revealed that bandits leaving children alone and orphans is his motivation and and just all of these things all kind of bundled into this movie and of course it has to be three and a half hours because you can't ever tell all of this with less time.
0: Yeah, It's well, almost like, yeah. They, they tried to tell it with less time, didn't they? Like, they cut like 40 minutes out of it for the American release. Oh, they I did? Would
1: never, I w- the original American yeah, release. Yeah, I yeah. would never even bother thinking about watching one of those abominations. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, can't, I cannot sit through the whole three and a half hours in one go. You know, the Japanese studios in 1954 were absolutely correct western american audiences do not have the stamina for this film and but that's okay take a break come back watch a, another hour take a break it's it's okay because it is so dense it's you could have turned this into a tv series like just break it up into like four or five episodes as a tv show people would binge watch the shit out of it then um, and it would work just as well so what, what about you Corey? Uh, you uh, you only watched it for the first time uh, a couple of years ago i i yelled at you to watch it or something i don't remember yeah, yeah. what's your experience uh
0: yeah so uh this was before like we started to jump into this kurosawa podcast series Uh, I had watched it just because I had it lying around, and then Chris was like, why haven't you watched this yet? So then I I just sat down and watched it. Uh, As I recall, I was, uh, of course, impressed with the... uh, What am I trying to say? The the bigness of it? There's a fancier word that I'm thinking of. Scope? Yeah, the scope of it. Um, Just like a large a large uh, movie they're setting up with, in in just this village, with, you know, the seven samurai, uh, half-dozen or so villagers, and then uh, everyone else in the movie, but it just feels so big, um, and that, that might be a byproduct of the length of the movie, but just making such a uh, a small area feel huge just felt like such an accomplishment uh and then watching you know shimura and Mifune do their regular thing is just as always entertaining as heck uh i wish i got a chance to watch the other two-thirds of the movie before recording this but uh alas i i only gave myself a month and a half or whatever to, to watch <laughs> the movie you can around. do
1: it after we're done recording it's still worth finishing <laughs> watching again
0: yeah that's the plan yeah i was just uh just overall impressed with like the how impressive it felt which is you know talkological but whatever I'm trying to figure out when i watch it so i still using the then oh yeah two years ago like exactly <laughs>
1: good old letterbox yeah that's my, my favorite thing about it like what when did I watch this? oh god I've watched this movie eight times in the last four years
0: <laughs> is that you looking up uh, the guest
1: I'm only up to like six viewings on the guest thank you very much <laughs>
0: uh seven samurai what what uh we kind of got like the first impressions but like what, what is really sticking with you on this on this last viewing um I'll go because it's it's, I mentioned it a little bit,
2: uh, especially the dynamic between Katsushiro and Shino, um, a samurai and a farmer falling in love, just um, the portrayal of, you know, and it's even said multiple times so that the viewer absolutely understands that it's ramming home, just the differences in class that Seven Samurai is depicting. And the Katsushiro-Shino relationship, I think more than anything is trying to depict the fact that people at one level in society and people at another level in society um, and this is something that Kurosawa in 55 was observing and depicting as happening, in, in, or 54, it was observing as happening in the 1950s um, and it's dating all the way back to this feudal Japan. The idea that people have to fit, fit into a path that their parents decide for them Shino's rebelling from Monzo by falling in love with this samurai who comes into town. He even has Shino cut her hair um, in a scene he walks in. He's like, Shino, we must cut your hair so you pretend to be a man. And um, he has her dress as a a man. And Katsushiro, who, as I mentioned before, he left these wealthy samurai parents to travel the world. And their arc together... Is both of them kind of rebelling against this path that society dictates they must have, and then their parents believe that because they followed the path, that their children must also follow that path. And it's you know it's a lot more than just a forbidden love affair story that you see a lot. There's a lot of meat to it in terms of relation to modern times and uh, choosing your own path. And so that is think above all what stuck with me the most now and i think a lot of it probably has to do with just personal maturity and personal experience but it, next time i watch it again in like five years there's going to be another whole aspect of it that sticks out to me that i go oh i've noticed this before but i haven't thought this heavily about it till now and that's what it makes this film so great
1: no absolutely um every time i watch the film that you you always keep pulling something out of it um this time um, very similar to you Chris like, I really honed in on the the class aspect um, it was something that I had not really thought about before but in today's climate it's something that you um, really kind of hone in on um, but also not just the class aspect but the, the patriarchal aspect um, I was in, in previous watches yes the men in this film treat the women super poorly like they're they're garbage and previously i was just like well that's how it was way back then you know there's still people that are like that now women do this and that and so i didn't really think about it but this time as i'm watching it i'm really noticing just how brutal it is but one of the things that i think kurosawa does so well in the film is he is depicting this horrific patriarchal sexist environment but he also goes to show the damage that such a rigid patriarchy does to men. Rikichi's story is a really good one on that as well as uh Shino's story. Um Rikichi he's, you know, the whole thing with Rikichi is his wife was kidnapped by the bandits during one of the previous raids and he tries to pretend, you know, I don't have a wife, I don't have a wife, but he gets super pissed off anytime anyone brings it up. And on the eve of the battle, the a small group of samurai and Rikuchi go to the hideout, and they find Rikuchi's wife, and you see Rikuchi's wife, she comes out of the, the burning hut, sees her husband, and turns back in and runs into the fire to commit suicide, because she is "quote unquote" damaged goods. That's another phrase that is literally used later in the film by Monzo after uh, Shino and Kasashiro sleep together. Um, but the the way uh, that these events impact Monzo, the the way that he feels so destroyed. It's like, why can't he just let his daughter be happy? He wants his daughter to be happy. Kambe tries to console him, saying, hey, they're kids and they're in love. It's okay. Um, But Monzo is stuck in this, no, my daughter has to be the virgin until she marries a good farmer's boy, can't cross class. Uh, Enriquechi, he's willing to overlook the fact that his uh, his wife has been probably horrifically raped for God knows how many months because he loves her, but in this system she she cannot bear to come back home, and so then he is just left in despair. Um, a lot of those elements hit me hit me really good on this rewatch, and there was a there was a third element. It while you were talking, I was thinking about, but over the course of me yammering, I have since forgot it. If I think of it again, I will
0: jump in. Corey, what about you? Uh, well, I didn't get around to watching it all of it.
1: But if you imagine it in your mind,
0: <laughs>
1: in the first forty-five minutes, what about the first forty-five minutes stood out to you that was a little bit different?
0: Uh, I mean, always or uh, having watched uh a lot of Kurosawa, like we're up to twenty something now, right, Chris? Uh, yes. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> and all all of them have uh, Takashi Shimura. So like, I am on the extra lookout for what he's doing, How impressive is he? Uh, and just watching watching that initial sequence where uh he's having his hair cut by someone else. Uh, knowing the, the gravity of that and knowing how uh, or or seeing that one of the scenes following that when he's trying to recruit some samurai and this other samurai is like all about honor and uh, he he seems to be the one not to cut his hair to save a child. Seeing that that dichotomy between those two characters and how how this new samurai obviously would not work with Shimura's character. Um, and he he ends up He ends up, like, just walking out. Uh, Watching all of that come come through the screen... uh, It's not the best way to put it, but we'll roll with it. Uh, Watching all of that come through the screen, um, watching it play out like a gig, Kurosawa obviously takes his time with legging things, just keep keep going and going, playing, and... uh, (laughs) takes time setting up cuz like we don't see Shimura's character until 20 30 minutes into the movie right
1: that's about right yeah. yeah
2: yeah
0: um and you know he's the main character uh so it's 3 hour 3 hours and 20 minutes for a reason but it's also like worth sitting up sitting through this setup because it's just like so brilliantly executed
1: this isn't the third point that i was thinking about but i'm just thinking about it <laughs> um, I really got to pay really good attention this time, um, not just to the the flow of the film, but in the staging, the, the the general cinematography of the film. There's always been like incredible moments and shots where you're like, wow, this is fucking gorgeous and brilliantly staged. Um, but I was really paying attention this time to to how the staging interacts with itself um, between different shots and the different setups, different stages of the area, between the, you know, the inside of the rundown hut where they're trying to interview Samurai, the the village and everything. Just the watching how, it all plays with each other to create such a seamless experience from a, a, trying to focus on a technical standpoint. That was kind of incredible. This movie is something. If you're trying to, to study filmmaking um, and cinematography and editing, this movie is a marvel. And I, I never really paid attention to, to those uh, intricate level of details before do so.
2: <laughs> yeah. I always, I found it, um the depictions of so many to just the way that the scenes were framed um where they were filmed you had a lot of the katsushiro uh shino scenes they were filmed in this meadow and it looks like a nice peaceful place even though we know there's this onset of this war against the bandits coming it's this nice peaceful place it's where people would fall in love and the bandit hideout when they go to the bandit hideout it just looks so just imposing and evil but it's really just a couple of shacks there and you know you start to and what a point i wanted to make that i forgot about and i'm getting to it based based off of that point is the bandits live in this kind of these these shacks and the um villagers also these farmers also live in these shacks and above them there's this town Um, It's nicer. You have a lot of people passing through and these nice, you know, well, well well-to-do samurai. But then there's lords above them that you don't even see in this movie. In fact, none of the samurai that we see actually have lords that they um, are tied to. They're all ronin, uh, which is basically, you know, wandering samurai of sorts, lordless samurai. And so it made me question why are two people, two groups on the bottom why must the bandits do this to the farmers? And why do the farmers have to fight back? They're both kind of victims of this system, this social system that pushes them as far down as they can go and making desperation such that they're the ones who are at war and everybody else above them, they kind of interlope into the war when they need to, but they can just get out and go back to town, the nice town or their nice manners whenever they want. Um, Kikuchio is kind of the bridge between that because he is he doesn't have a home. Um, and, and I don't know if the other samurai do um, since they're kind of since they're Ronin. But I feel like they could if they they could, I guess, oh, or they, you know, they can take better jobs, at least that aren't for villagers. But uh, Kikuchio is the bridge, without a doubt, I think, between the bottom rungs of society and the samurai. He's trying to masquerade as the samurai, but He's really the guy who gets it from the bottom rung and wants to tell the samurai, you guys are also part of this oppressive system that is making this vi- these villagers and bandits have to fight each other. And he doesn't essentially mention that in a line of dialogue when he talks about, you know, why villagers would kill samurai because of all the harm samurai cause.
1: How horrifying is it to think that not a goddamn thing has fucking changed in thousands of years?
2: I know. I know.
1: Like, why do the bandits do this? Because they're poor and they can't live. But they're attacking other poor people. Yeah, because they can't defend themselves because they're poor. So, yeah, the rich, it's... so the rich people just think that poor people are terrible human beings, but they're just trying to survive? Yes, you're getting it now. <laughs>
0: If only there was something that could be done.
1: If only.
0: Oh god. Well, uh, we mentioned a lot about uh, about uh, Kambe and about Kikuchio. Uh, out of the remaining five, is there anyone that stands out that you really like? Kyuzo uh, all the way. Kyozo all the way. Yeah, he's he's great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> just the serious. Uh, he's just so serious. There's a scene. He just is like, they're like, we need to get a musket from the bandits, and he's like, I'll be back. And he just comes walking back. He's like, here's your musket, and he goes to sleep. It's just the best.
1: <laughs> well, and the way he tears off running, he's like, I'll be back in a minute. It's like a Naruto sprint that he does. Like he almost has his arms bent backward, and it just the the camera speeds up just a little bit, so it's just like, and then he comes back. So the, the slowest saunter because everyone's like. He's been gone a while. Oh, God, I hear a noise. I don't hear anything. There's footsteps, I swear. And he's just like, do-do-do-do-do. Here you go.
2: No and then he just literally goes right to sleep. He's like, I'm gonna go get some sleep. Yeah, Katsushiro
1: is sitting there just staring at him, and he opens his eyes like, state your business. I'm trying to sleep.
2: <laughs> and Katsushiro like, just admires everything about him. He's like, you're the most magnificent person I've ever seen. <laughs>
0: Must've been tough grabbing that thing from the uh, from the bandits. It's got risk after that. Betcha. My goodness.
1: So that was an easy question.
0: <laughs> I, I guess so.
1: I what what it, about but... you? Do Do you recall the other samurai in this story enough, Corey, to pick a, a favorite samurai that's not the main two? Nope. I'll take the same question and go and apply it to the villagers. Who of the villagers um, really stands out to to each of
2: us? Um. The villager, I... Yohei probably stands out the most. I, I just... he just, Quit
1: taking my answers!
2: <laughs> he just feels like he's the guy who cares. He wants what's best for the rest of the village. He's doing this for the rest of the village. And his arc is, you know, he's the guy... If he has to sacrifice himself so that the rest of the village can eat and repel these bandits, he will. He's... But at the same time, he's just so timid. He seems like he's a very, you know, he's, he has that just mopey, sad face. He's kind of almost at tears all the time. But you find, as, as you get to know the character better, you know, he's the guy who cares. And he's the, the, the rock of this group of villagers that are trying to get the samurai together and get the kind of defenses together to repel the bandits. And he dies a hero
1: i Yohei is also my answer he is like this ninety year old dude who is just like barely walking and standing um but he's he he has the most fulfilling arc um R- is probably a good close second however his uh his turn towards heroism is sparked by the death of his wife so it's more of a revenge story with him and the but death Yohei of he can yes. He, yeah. Yes. Oh, poor guy. Um, but Yohei is just—he's like the comic relief alongside Kikachiro, but he's got so much heart to him. Um, all the funniest things are sequences that occur between Yohei and Kikachiro, like um, when Kikachiro finds out that they have been murdering samurai and stealing um, all of their weapons and armor. The, the scene that leads to that is he calls on yohei to come towards him with a spear to attack him and yohei is so old and decrepit like he just kind of like hobbles over with this the spear as a walking stick and kikichiro mocks him um and it's just it's so funny the way that uh mifune plays that mocking scene but you there is a genuine camaraderie between the two so it never feels mean-spirited um and Yohei's just like yep that's me but don't worry you can count on me Uh, i will defend my post such a good character and he barely speaks because he's just so old so
2: (laughs) yeah his his performance is so much in just the way he he his facial reactions work his movement um yeah because he 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 get he is a pretty quiet character because I think just the timid nature of him, but he's got all the heart in the world, and you just learn to love the guy and then no, no, he's
0: not gonna make it out of the battle, but no, he's gonna die a hero. Yeah, so there is a you know quite an epic battle at the end uh, the each of the samurai, uh, if I recall correctly, guard like a specific point in the village, right? Mm, pretty much yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, they, they have, like, two samurai per point.
0: Yeah. Um, and, uh, of course, the Baguix stack, and then there's this uh, epic battle that I remember being epic, and that's pretty much it. Uh, but what impresses is both of you about that? It's, like, an hour-long battle. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. <laughs> it it's
2: it's yeah. real. I mean, there it's basically three battles in one. Um, yeah. Battle, break, battle, break, and then the final battle. And, I mean, it's just... It's incredible. And every single shot like you we talk about taking breaks in the movie. If you get to the point that basically the first group of bandits kind of try to sneak up on the village village to scout it at that point, you're locked in like you can't get off your couch at that point. It's just fantastic. Every, Every like the final battle, especially the rain adds so much to the dramatic effect. You have this mud slopping everywhere. It just looks like total chaos it's just, I mean, it's just all these nice little touches done to add to the drama of the battles, uh, and especially the the final sequence.
1: Yes, it is it's the single greatest battle committed to screen <laughs> in my opinion. Um, the The staging of it, the way that it does uh, trickle through. it's not just two armies clashing, and then for an hour they're sitting there fighting. Um, it, it's, 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 it has a lot of calm moments um, as the strategy of the, the samurai and the villagers is put into play. Uh, the, I, I think the, the main centerpiece of that is what they try to do with uh, Gorobe and Kyozo. They have a group of villagers at the, the one entrance to the village that is not easily safeguarded, which is um, facing the, the grove, the forest side. So what they do is they have um, everybody hiding behind the trees. So as the bandits, after they go around the village and find that they've got a wall of giant spikes, they have the bridge destroyed, they have the fields flooded. Basically, they funnel the bandits to the single point of entry. And as the bandits come in, they let like one or two horsemen um, into the in, inside the barrier and then everybody leaps out and then they start trying to stab and you know kill the bandits but it, it's not intended to be like we're trying to win right now it's simply to get them to repel so that the 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 one or two horsemen that got into the village they are then mobbed and murdered like <laughs> super viciously by the villagers like those villagers have um have some chips on their shoulders <laughs> Um, and they they do this a couple of times, um, and then they even they don't try to repeat that strategy, but they still have the the surprise angle from that grove entry point. So you you get all these lulls in between, but it's all for the purpose of developing the story, furthering the the character development, and instead of just like Lord of the Rings, everybody's just fighting and you're bored to fucking tears for an hour. (laughs) That's what I love about it. You know, when when night comes, um, Katsushiro is sitting there gushing about Kyozo when he went and took the the gun. So Kikichiro says, well, I'm going to go be a hero too. And he succeeds, but in doing so, he causes uh, so much more damage um, another one of the samurai uh, pass away, uh, get killed. A bunch of villagers get killed. It's it, it, and it doesn't just treat it to where okay. So you're like, Kikuchio, he fucked up, and then you learn that lesson and move on. No, the the film just stops and you soak that in. Kikuchio is mourning. He is just hanging out by the graves. Everyone else is dog tired they're trying to rest because they know that when the morning comes that will be the final showdown Kambe tells everybody you know everybody except two people get some rest go home visit your family tomorrow the shit is coming down um it's it's so i don't want to say the word but i'm gonna say it zen like it's so peaceful and it feels so so truthful as opposed to them just trying to make a battle. And then when you get to that final battle, just like Chris said, it is the greatest thing ever. It's chaos. There's mud, you know, in all of Kurosawa's movies, when it rains, it fucking rains because that's the only way to, to, to make it really show up in black and white film, um, is to make it an intense rain. The, the, the death of the last two samurai, um, it's all just so goddamn perfect and riveting and exhilarating. Um, it shows that you can't that that storytelling and staging is is always number one. Like action, you don't need to be like I'm an action movie to to be exciting. Um, even though this film very much has action bits, it's just not framed that way. It's not it's not shot in that manner. It's so relaxed but thoughtful and poignant it's it's the greatest like the,
2: the whole last hour of this movie is unbeatable i i want to mention um the part of their strategy there's some homes that are kind of on the other side of the farming fields that they have to abandon because you can't defend them it's just it's impossible from a strategic standpoint so um Kambe tells the villagers what you're going to do is leave these homes um, and one of those homes it's it's this mill that's on the the river that passes in on um, one side of the village it's where that old man I mentioned earlier where he lives um he he is you know he th- remembers all the bandit raids so you figure he would be the one who he would get out of the house he would get out of that house when it came time to get out knowing that He's, he's out of luck if he stays there, but he stays behind. He just stays there and lets the bandits take him. Um, and it's it's kind of a tough scene to, to watch because a couple other people follow to go and get, rescue him, but they're too late, leaving all but one infant child dead. Um, and you've learned that's where Kikuchio's motivations and background are from. But it, there's, there's this message there to me as well of, the difficulty you have in letting go to the past, letting go of the past. This is a man who's who he loves this, you know, I guess he loves this mill so much. He's not willing to part with it. He has to go down with the ship even though it's 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 you know, a suicide mission to do it. And it, there there's a lot there I think that Kurosawa is trying to discuss in relation to 1950s, 2010s in the way that some of us are unwilling to make the momentary sacrifice for the long-term success it's 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 kind of his commentary on people who this is the way it must be it has to be this way i can't envision it being another way um and there there's a lot of difficulty among the other farmers you know the kind of shock they have at the idea that they have to abandon their homes they're going to lose their homes. They're going to burn to the ground. And they're going to watch their homes burn to the ground. But they all do eventually commit to move, to um, leaving the homes. But there's this old man, and his stubbornness causes two other people to die.
1: And one of the saddest goddamn scenes in the movie of you yes, holding yeah. that goddamn thing. It's baby.
2: so sad. It's just... Ugh. Baby,
1: this is me.
0: This is what happened to me. Uh. Well, have we exhausted... Uh everything about the seventh samurai
1: no because you could really not exhaust talking about it because it is so dense but i think we i think we covered most of the really big points
2: yeah we touched on a lot of the big stuff about the movie i mean there's another 74 hours we could talk about <laughs> do <Dude, laughs> do talk about this movie like
0: <laughs> there's so much to say yeah <laughs> how many masters is there? Hey,
1: could <laughs> you imagine doing like yeah i mean could you imagine like all three of us like we're watching it and recording it at the same time and just go through the film like minute by minute there's so much to talk about
2: i have i took this pieces of paper as i was watching and kind of you know took down notes as stuff was happening sometimes pausing um i have one two three four five six seven pages of notes on this movie as i was watching it because it's like every single minute there's oh i need to jot that down you can write a paper like that I I could. Too bad I'm not in any film classes right now. I should just I should just sign up for one and tell them we need to watch Seven Samurai so I can have one assignment already done.
1: <laughs> Indeed, and and I'm pretty sure that it, in a lot of film schools this is this this movie is uh, used as a like. Yeah a whole course like we're just going to go through this one movie
2: yeah i don't i don't always lend too much credence to to you know best of lists when they have a a panelist of people vote on the best movies ever but i mean it's telling that this is on just about every single one of those lists that it's just it's just so enduring and and again you mentioned at the start it's every so many movies have followed this narrative structure and followed a lot of what seven samurai has done some better than others but it just is something that it's one of those movies that's just earth shattering in terms of it's influence it movie making today would look different without Seven Samurai
0: having been made Uh, well does anyone have any closing thoughts on the Seven Samurai anything you can get out of your system before we close out this section of the podcast
2: yeah it's (laughs) alright um
1: Seven Samurai for uh, a, a long time, when I would really sit and think about it, th- this was my favorite movie, full stop, um, that is, of course, completely dethroned now by the greatest thing um, to ever exist, that is Twin Peaks The Return, um, and <clears throat> But it's still it's still just one of the greatest movies absolutely ever made. And, and it's not hyperbole. It's not over-exaggeration due to excitement. I mean, this, this movie is so amazing. Um, and you can see elements that you like in other films, even if it doesn't follow this plot structure, um, the way certain characters are treated, the way that a story... Um, focuses on various aspects you can see it all in this one film i'm not going to say everybody rips off this film but it's like everything that you like about cinema all the different aspects are all together in one film and that is this film um it still holds today and you know we've been watching all of these kurosawa films <laughs> and i you know we've already at this point watched Corey's favorite movie of all time which is ikiru Seven Samurai like as I was watching it I was like okay so do I still love this one the most out of all of Kurosawa's films now that I've seen all these other ones let's find out by by like 45 minutes into the movie I was just like without a goddamn doubt this is my favorite film from Kurosawa it just it, it immediately melted everything else away um I found myself right back in it absorbed enraptured enveloped it's it's an experience it's one of those movies that you truly get to feel in every fiber of your being intellectually emotionally physically in some manners if anyone out there is is listening to this and hasn't seen the movie by all means please go watch it i think it's hilarious that people complain about trailers um how they spoil too much of the movie because seven samurai is the ultimate um, in the trailer spoils the movie because it doesn't fucking matter. You could know everything about how this movie ends and it matters not a cent. Four of the samurai will be dead by the time it ends. That's like literally like the first line in the trailer, like the opening shot in the trailer is the three survivors who you can't really see very well, so you don't know who who survives and who dies. Looking at the four four graves which is the final shot of the film you can spoil forever on this and it will not matter once you sit down and wrap yourselves up in it it's that fucking good spoilers don't exist don't matter unless it's a shit movie and then who fucking
2: cares agreed Uh, you said it you said it perfectly i mean you could read a plot summary and then watch the movie and you'll just find there's things that weren't in the plot
0: summary that are there that you're watching and you're just so engaged in.
2: It's just, it's an incredible
0: movie. Yep. I agree with everything everybody else said. Um, all right. So let's close this section out. Chris's, where can we find you on the internet? You can you go
2: first. You can find me on Twitter at Antonius Pius. Um, I'm currently private, so you have to just request me and, Preferably mention you heard me on the podcast, then I'll just add you. I'm pretty chill. I'm just job hunting, so you know
0: how that goes. When we come back, and uh, Basil will join us to talk about uh, Hanabaga.